You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So we have Douglas Lyons. He is an amazing playwright, but also an actor, director, composer, and so much more. His play Chicken and Biscuits opened this past month at the Circle in the Square Theater on Broadway, starring Norm Lewis. He also worked on the Breathe musical on the music team. He has also done several projects with Bo and several other amazing productions. I am so excited to finally get to sit down and talk with him. Hi, Douglas. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm not wearing a mask because I'm in my apartment, so that's very nice. I've been wearing a mask for like the past eight hours um, because I want to stay safe, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, it's always a good feeling to take off your mask. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But keep wearing your mask and get vaccinated. So, yeah. Please do. Please stay vaccinated, please. So to start off, can you walk me through how you got to this point in your career of being on Broadway? Well, um, lots of perseverance. I was an actor first. I went to the Hart School, BFA Musical Theater at the Hart School, took off a year to tour with the Rent National Tour, came back, graduated in 2009, went on the Dreamgirls National Tour, moved back to New York City. I was here for a short term while we were at the Apollo Theater. Um, very early on in 2011, somehow got into the Broadway company of the Book of Mormon as the Tony nominations were happening. And so I took that ride and did that for a year as a swing and then went on the first national and I met Ethan Pakchar, my musical writing partner. He was the guitarist on the tour and that started this musical career. Um, we put out an album in 2013 called Hashtag Love that we recorded one night in front of a bunch of Broadway friends and then started working on musicals. And I did that uh, backstage as I was working on Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And I wrote Polka Dots, uh, Peter Pan, Bo, Five Points, which we're workshopping right now, um, had started back in like 2014. And then Chicken and Biscuits was also written backstage. And so writing arrived in my life as a means to heal from a heartbreak, but then it turned into a new path. And I'm so very glad it did. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So for those who don't know, what is the premise of your play, Chicken and Biscuits? 
It is a family comedy set at a funeral where these two sisters, Benita and Beverly, are burying their father, Bernard. And Benita knows a family secret um, that she is hidden from the rest of the family. And that secret shows up at the funeral, right at the altar, and it cannot be ignored. And so it's a play of Black joy and healing and laughter and a hug to remind us all that times may be tough and we may have some difficult times, but we can work and talk through them, heal and hopefully press forward. Yeah. And you mentioned the feelings of black joy. You got an amazing review from my friend Ayana Prescott. Um, Laugh out loud, funny, a feast of black joy, love and laughter. So I wanted to ask you how you got to that point of getting these rave rave reviews, getting up on Broadway, getting Nick Jonas as a producer and having amazing audiences like you had Lynn there last night. I didn't know. The funny thing is, I didn't know Lynn was there. He came to the matinee with his family, had no idea and got a text message from a friend with his tweet. And I for a good 30 minutes, I like I, I freaked out. As you should. I really did freak out. I was like, what is happening right now? Because I think Lynn, being a theater kid at heart, like understands the craft. And he also like brought his family, like his parents, his father tweeted about the show, which was just very kind. I think it's a difficult time right now for theater coming back. People don't necessarily feel safe or they don't have the funds to get to the theater. And so, you know, word of mouth is our best friend. And and to read that tweet was really, really moving. Um, when it comes to Black Joy, um, which has been an uh, interesting topic of late, I think entertainment specifically is sort of obsessed with these portrayals of blackness that are often oppressed and in the environment i grew up with the family i grew up with black joy was sort of the center laughter was the center of the household being foolish and also disciplined was the center of the household and so my only entry point into writing is the liberation of laughter, like the world can be so heavy when we live it every day. I personally don't want to use my artistry to mirror that um, because that doesn't make me feel lighter. I like writing things across the board that make people feel a little bit more encouraged. And so I was very flattered and honored when I read you know, that review about people really understanding, you know, I under- understanding what I was trying to say about our community and how it may not be understood. Like what our joy looks like may not be comprehended, but it doesn't mean it doesn't deserve space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think stories like that of Black Joy, we see coming up on Broadway more and more this season. Um, And I think that's really important after the last year and a half that we've had with all of the issues in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So something that always fascinates me with writers and just Broadway in general is the ideas behind the shows. So where did you get the idea to write all of your shows, like um, to work on Breathe and work on all of these different shows that you've worked on? So Breathe was brought to me because a friend in Vermont, um, Jarvis Green, is a friend of Jody Pico, and she was looking for an additional writing team for Breathe. They had already sort of started the process. He had politely put my name in the hat, and I got an email being like, would you like to meet with us? Uh, we have this project we're working on, and this was during COVID. And I, you know, had the meeting, and I reached out to Ethan, and I was like, "There's this thing. How do you feel about it?" And we had some trunk songs from another commission we had written that just were very fitting for the topic at hand. And so a lot of that show was written virtually, and I did not meet 
Jody in person until the night of the premiere. Uh, and we had been working together, I don't know, three or four or five months or something like that. So that's how that came about. Polka Dots was inspired from a Felicia Rashad interview I saw on YouTube where she talks about growing up in the Jim Crow South and being a little black girl who tasted a white only water fountain. And that in itself felt like a really ripe end to discuss race relations. And so Polka Dots became this little girl, Lily Polka Dot, who's the first Polka Dot of her kind, being integrated into a school of all squares, a square town, uh, a fictional town called Rockaway. And she tastes from the square sprinkler. She's only supposed to drink from the Polka Dot pump, right? So I take very life-inspired situations and turn them into art to reflect the times that we're living in. Chicken and Biscuits, um, I grew up in the Black Church. I'm what they called a, a PK, which is a preacher's kid. And so I'm very well versed on the personalities and the worship and the laughter and the joy and the shade of what happens in a Black church. And it felt like a great backdrop to discuss these very difficult family issues. And so, yeah, that, you know, it was really an experiment because I had never written a play, musicals I've been working on for years, but a true play where it was just words. And it's just ironic that that was the first thing to actually make it to Broadway. Yeah. And just a general wondering, how long did um, Chicken and Biscuits take you to write? I started writing Chicken and Biscuits, I want to say early spring of 2018. The first draft was completed August 2018 because I have an email I sent to the director, Jalen. And our first reading was November of 2018. We had three readings in 2019 a world premiere production at the Queens Theater in February, March, 2020, when the world shut down, a virtual reading in 2021 that Michael Urey was in and Janet Hubert, and then we were on Broadway in September. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's I, I just talking about it is ridiculous, but I'm so grateful that it happened, and I think it's opening doors for the 30 Broadway debuts in the company and the fabulous artists on stage and off. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, And you mentioned the virtual process that you went through for Breathe and you hadn't met her. What was that like for you to write virtually not seeing your team? Well, what's interesting, as we're doing right now, I am completely comfortable with Zooming and, you know, streamyarding and meeting people. Like, it's it feels normal in this weird way. And so I felt like I knew Jody and Tim when I met them in person. Like, we had spent enough time together. I worked on a television show last year and wrote for 20 weeks in a writer's room. And when I flew to LA and met my showrunners and my other writers, I was like, yeah, you're kind of like I thought you, <laughs> you know, so I, it, it's, 
it's very, you know, strange initially, but now it's the way of the world. And honestly, it allows me to, as a writer, to work from home, hop on, you know, I had a full day of rehearsal. I went by the theater, got home, did an errand, and now I get to hop on and chat with you because of this virtual thing. So I've kind of embraced it. Yeah. Um, so my next question is, um, in the process of writing a show, do you have different ideas running through your mind for future shows that you want to work on? Or do you try to focus on one at that time? I will only write typically one project at a time, um, max two at a time. But I have been raised to finish what I start. And so I'm very passionate about finishing. Like I have a new play, Invisible, that I'm flying to Los Angeles to do a reading of in a couple of weeks. And I was writing Invisible start. It was a commission with the Queens Theater. I started last November during the pandemic. Um, but at that time, it was sort of all I was writing. And it was in a pocket of which I had some downtime, right? And so I would then go back to it when I had more time and now it's finished. But I I, I don't think I can do two things at once, like major projects. I, I don't like doing that because I feel like I'm not focused. And when you dilute your focus, I feel like the material gets muddy. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned being commissioned by the Queens Theater. What does that look like for you? Like, what is that process of, do they give you an idea to write off of, or do they just give you money to write a show for them to produce? How does all that work? So it ranges. I've gotten commissions. Uh, I wrote a 10 minute play for the Flint Repertory Theater. They did these uh, mural plays where they took 25 murals in Flint, Michigan, and had them commissioned to become 10 minute plays. And so that was an idea given to me. Ethan and I worked on a commission that was given to us with an idea from the Fifth Avenue Theater. But then in the case of Invisible, I had this idea that sort of what I, I call the mosquito bites, it bit me and I was like, huh, this is interesting. And I pitched the idea to Taryn Sacramone, the executive director at the Queens Theater, because we have a working relationship with Five Points and Polka Dots and, and Chicken and Biscuits. And she was like, huh, I like that. Let's see what we can do, you know? And so with her support and resources, I was able to write that play. Um, and now I have the play and I'm going to go to Los Angeles and hear it, you know, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. And with putting up shows, how much input do you have on casting design and all those type of elements that goes into a production it ranges it's all based on collaboration i have like say but i don't have control necessarily um you know i have learned like with the chicken and biscuits process you know the director really creates the design team but we had to collaborate when it came to casting you know with the casting director and what i love about theater and tv film you know, as an art form as well as like, it's collaboration. You don't do it all on yourself, like by yourself. It's not just you. It takes a team of artists to make the hat come to life. And so I have a say in things. Um, nothing will be decided upon without me. But I also like to make space for people to feel like they're creating their part of the world as well. Yeah. And a question that just came to mind so other podcasts might go deeper into the mental health stuff, but do you ever feel like sort of an imposter syndrome when you're writing these shows and getting these amazing reviews? Are you ever like, okay, but is this real? Is this something that I did? Do you have those type of feelings? I know that I get self-conscious when I write projects. You know, in the pandemic, because I'm, you know, I was an actor first. I've done a couple of Broadway shows and tours and things. And I didn't consider myself a writer. And I had a very important meeting for this TV show I worked on 
where the showrunner said to me in my final meeting that my scripts were good. I had never heard that before. And it was a really important turning point for my writing career because I was like, Doug, this is no longer a hobby. Like, you can do this. You have to believe that you belong and that you have some kind of understanding of what you're doing in this space. And so I now, when people are like, how do you feel? I just say grateful. Like, I'm, I'm just grateful that I have figured out a new path for myself that seems to be serving my community, right? That in the cast, there are nine Broadway debuts out of 13 cast members total. That is exciting to me. And so I'm no longer shocked I'm more just like grateful and I'm an excited person to see what the future can bring. And was it that moment when you got told that you your writing was good? Is that when you switched your brain from actor mode to writer mode? Or do you still like to tap into that acting and performing side? I will. I was just hanging out with my best friend and manager last night. I will be acting. There's still an offer on the table for a theater show next year. I, I will be acting again. It's just after doing almost a decade plus of eight shows a week. I took this pandemic as a sign to be like, if I have another thing I can do that allows me to have nights, like if I was in a show right now, I wouldn't be talking to you, you know? Um, and I kind of like the weekends and I kind of like having a life. So when it comes to stage, I'm not looking to act right now, but I definitely am trying to be on television and film in 2022. That's a goal. Um. So I've asked this in every single interview that I've ever done, but do you think that your education or your experience has played a bigger part in where you are now as a writer on Broadway? Hearing you say that is crazy. Even hearing you say that I'm a writer on Broadway, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Um, yes, yes. An amazing yes, writer my, on Broadway. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My, um, my training at the Hart School, I really do attribute to my understanding of craft and of character. Um, because I think as an actor, I learned to study what made a script good, which I think made me a better writer quicker because I know what like sort of crappy scripts look like, right? I've seen enough scripts and scores to be like, oh, this is not serving the story or that doesn't pay off or the audience is very confused at this moment. So I really do attribute a lot of my success to my training. I had a wonderful voice training at the Hart School and a lot of different acting techniques and character study. And I think that character study then turned into character creativity, you know? Um, and and I'm grateful for the training. Yeah. I think like the church raised me as a musician, which really plays into my writing now, but my program gave me the skills and the toolbox to put all of them, like all the ingredients together. Yeah, absolutely. So I used to ask, what have you been doing during quarantine? But we're obviously, hopefully starting back up and getting back to the world of Broadway. So what was your first show that you saw open on Broadway? Open on Broadway? Like reopen? Or like open in general? Yeah, reopen. Uh, reopen. Hadestown. That's a good choice. Yeah. I have the same producer for Chicken and Biscuits. Yeah. And so... I've seen actually a lot. I saw Hades Town. I've seen Little Shop. I've seen, I just got tickets. I'm seeing Carolina Change on Saturday. I was at the opening of Six. I've seen Is This a Room? I've seen Dana H. Um, yeah, I've seen Chicken and Biscuits. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen a lot, actually. How many times? Oh my gosh. I mean, 
over 20 at this point, 20, 20, 25 times. I mean, because in previews, you got to watch it, you know, yeah. to learn and change. Um, I haven't been back because we're working on this musical right now. So I haven't been back in a little bit, but I will go again. It's hard for me to watch the show now. Like it just, I'm just so, it gives me so many feelings. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. And that brings to mind another question. Do you ever have a feeling of this is done, this is how it goes on stage? Or is it always, oh, I could do that a little better? Do you ever consider that? I think the work is always in process, you know, like nothing is ever perfect. Um, things can be darn good, but I don't know that anything is ever perfect. And also, what is perfection, right? Like the other thing that I do like about being an artist is that what is trash to one is gold to another. And as a writer, you just learn, like some people see chicken and biscuits and are like, this is not funny. And some people are like, oh my God, I couldn't stop laughing. It's like, well, what does that tell you? You know? Um, so no, I'm constantly always listening to try to make the story clearer, more specific and more relatable. And however I can do that, I will. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up the episode? Um... Check out Lines of Pack Jar Music on all the platforms. Um, don't be afraid to write your own story and to go for that idea that seems very stupid because I was told very early on when I was writing Chicken and Biscuits, like, we've seen this before. And really, and there are lots of doubters. And look at us now, right? Like, if I had listened to all that, I may not have made it to where we are so um every little silly idea could become a big moment and so you should pursue it if it speaks to you yeah and if you didn't say look at us now i was gonna chime in and say that <laughs> so yeah that's amazing thank you so much for being here absolutely thank you for having me mason no problem hey it's leslie Odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.